What is the No Spin News all about? You know that this is a fact-based analysis news program. You know that. We avoid speculation. We don't do conspiracies here. We don't do party politics here. We're not nonpartisan. That's wrong. Not that. Okay, we are advocates for a stronger America and a more just society. We don't believe in communism. We don't believe in socialism. We don't believe in nihilism. We don't believe in the progressive woke culture. We think it is un-American. We don't support that. So you should know what we are. And it would then crystallize what we do. Listen to the No Spin News. Subscribe to Bill O'Reilly's podcast feed wherever podcasts are available. Well, good Thursday to you. Welcome to the Sean Spicer Show. We've got some great guests and a great conversation coming your way. All of Washington is talking about impeachment, whether or not Joe Biden should be impeached what that means for the House Republicans, what that means for the Democratic Party, the impact that will have on 2024. You've heard me say it before, I get there's a lot of folks that want to impeach Joe Biden based on what they did to President Trump. Democrats changed the game, folks. I said it before, it was good for the goose, good for the gander. But the complications and the implications are real. If you miss the target, do you empower these folks? Do you empower the Democrats? Do you get them to focus? Right now, they're all upset. Their candidate's like 80 years old. The vice president's not ready to take over. Do you help them focus on anything but that? Do we unify the Democratic Party? And do we threaten the one house that we control in the Congress? Those are all big issues. So we're going to break it down today in a way that no one else will. We're going to cover it from all sides, figuring out whether or not this makes sense, how we should do it, the angles and go from there. Sit back, relax. We got a great show headed your way. Let's get into it. All right, we're going to break this down for you now, this whole idea of impeachment. Is it good? Is it bad? So, Two great guests to help me do that. Tim Graham, he's the executive editor of Newsbusters and host of the Newsbusters podcast. He's been at the Media Research Center since 1989 as associate editor of Media Watch, the monthly newsletter of the Media Research Center. If you don't or are not familiar with the work of the Media Research Center and you don't follow Newsbusters, do both. Uh, These guys are the ones that keep the media accountable. They call out all of their egregious omissions and oversight and hypocrisy. I love the work of the Media Research Center and Brent Bozell. Tim has been there all by his side, and uh, I love his his insight and his historical reach, and we're going to tap into that as we go forward. Joining us as well today, Grace Curley. She's the host of The Grace Curley Show. She's been with Howie Carr for years up there in Boston. She is a great young conservative voice in the media right now today. So we're going to bring both of them. Before we do that, do me a favor. Uh, Thank you for all your support of the show. Please make sure you're subscribing the show, both on the audio and on the video front. On the audio, go to Apple Podcasts. On the video, go to Rumble and YouTube. Make sure you're subscribing. Obviously, if you're watching on the first, we love that. But it's so important uh, to make sure that you've got your bases covered, number one, in case anything goes wrong. And number two, 
to make sure that we show how well this show is performing. So thank you for your support. Please continue to tell friends and subscribe. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. Grace, Tim, good to see you guys. Uh, let me start with this talk in Washington that's dominating everything now, impeachment. Uh, let's just start with a, a sort of a basic question. Tim Graham, good idea, bad idea? Uh I think the Republican grassroots want this um, because they want some reaction to all of these indictments of Trump. Um, and it, what's really funny about it is the way the media is all of like, oh, you can't compare these. This is whataboutism, I think was Chuck Todd's complaint. Yeah. And it's like, well, I think the funny part is Yes. Now they're saying this sets a bad precedent. Excuse me? Right. <laughs> Who set the precedent in recent years? Uh, so, it, yeah. Um, I think it's good in that an impeachment inquiry gives them more power to uncover evidence. And if we know one thing that the media is doing that's annoying, it's trying to suggest there's no evidence of a Joe and Hunter Biden, you know, corruption connection. Grace, good idea. Yeah, see, I, I'm kind of torn on this and like what Tim just said about more because I've been trying to understand it more power to uncover more evidence, because what we've seen so far is the Democrats just keep stonewalling. And every time they're asked to hand over something, okay. you have all of this kind of coordination between these government agencies with the Biden administration. Do you want us to give them this? Do you want us to give them that? And and maybe Tim can answer this. I just don't know what is going to make these agencies or this White House hand over things right. if they haven't been willing to do it so far. And, and I'm actually asking, like, what is it about the authority of an impeachment inquiry that would require the Democrats to be more forthcoming? Because up until this point, I think a lot of people um, on the right, including myself, are just kind of going, well, they keep saying no evidence and we're asking for a document that could <laughs> prove the evidence. But if they don't hand it over, like, how are we going to make them hand it over? Does that make sense? It does. But can I go back one step here? Because I think something that Tim said, I agree with it. And Grace, I'm sure you hear it from people all day long is I get what the base wants. I mean, right. I bump into people, right? And, and it's like there are days in which what they want and what's good overall may not be the same thing. And this is the problem that I keep talking about is I get it. The Democrats started this. I mean, Tim touched on this. I mean, th this is their fault that we're here. And I said this when they were going after Trump. But here's the problem. I do think that politically speaking, if we don't on the right do this right, they win. It's It gets a party right now that thinks that Joe Biden is too old, that his policies aren't working, and it unites them on something that's completely different, right? And I mean, so they can all get behind this and say, we think this is a, a bridge too far. And frankly, Trump did the same thing. He got people on these indictments to say, I don't even agree with Donald Trump but I'm going to get behind right. him because I think it's wrong what the Democrats are doing. And if we do that and we're wrong and they win back the House, then it is Katie barred the door for at least two years. And that's the problem is that I think everybody's so itching 
to go after them. And I get why. That if, but if we do this and we miss the target, we're going to be sitting around for years going, what, how did we get here? And it's like when we losing that election in Georgia, right? And this is the problem is that every, like everyone was all had their head round an axle because of votes and whether their vote was going to get counted. We lost Georgia and then every Biden nominee got through Tim. And that's the thing, what they want and what's the smart thing to do don't always go hand in hand. Yeah, I think the the important point here is, yes, Republicans and conservatives always have to calculate politically somehow struggling through all of the punishment of the so-called objective media. You know, you have to factor in all the things they're going to say where that, you know, they thought impeachment was great the last two times, and now suddenly it's ultra conservative and terrible for democracy and these sorts of things. But I think the at the center of it, I come down with the idea of James Comer and even, you know, the sometimes the liberal papers, you know, the conservative media, um, the, the thing that they that they're no evidence uh constant use of this no evidence thing, which is so false at this point, is they don't want Joe Biden to be convincingly connected to Hunter's corruption with people who don't pay a lot of attention to politics. But the fact of the matter is, yeah, the evidence is out there. Jeff Dickens did a thing for Newsbusters here the other day where he just listed all of these things where Devin Archer testifies that Biden, you know, was on 15 phone calls. Hunter makes 15 trips on Air Force One. These sorts are two. These are the sorts of things that underline. Joe Biden started by saying, well, I never talked to Hunter about business, which was a a remarkably overwrought lie. That's the lie that we were given in the 2020 debates. Oh, there's nothing to this. So I think it's really important. The real goal here for conservatives in general is we have to prove or make them accept Joe Biden's in this up to his neck in this Biden influence peddling business and to and just to really underline that point right. because the, the media have that reflexive no Biden scandals worth discussing because Trump is always worse. Right. Grace, what do you hear from people? I mean, that's the thing. You, you're talking to folks every day does do they do you think that there's an understanding of the consequences politically i do and you know what john when you were talking about how sometimes what the base wants isn't what's right for them it kind of reminds me of when you're with your spouse or your partner and you're venting about something and you just want to vent i don't do that you just you just want to complain about like work or a friend or something. And your spouse keeps offering you solutions and you finally go, I don't want solutions. I just want to yell. And and sometimes people just want to yell and they don't want to hear about, you know, what the politically smart thing to do is. This sounds vaguely familiar to most of my evening conversations. (laughs) (laughs) But the the thing that Tim just said, and and now I'm kind of, and I'm really working through this because I don't have a set answer on how I feel about it just yet. But the thing that, I kind of have to consider as well as I don't think like when you talk about the backlash that it, that it could have politically and we have, we have things in history that would show that that can't happen. But because the Democrats have kind of beat this horse so much over the last couple of years with not one, but two impeachments and so much political theater around it. And then we had the four indictments. 
I don't really know if it's going to have the same punch for the American people where they'll be like clutching their pearls. I think it almost might happen and then people move on from it. And then if what Tim's saying is right, which I kind of believe, then they might have a little more ammo to get this evidence that we want. So I don't know if we have to be as worried about the um, the optics of it, because I don't know if it, it does the same thing that maybe it would have 20 years ago. But, when but here's my point. Is that you're, being impeached. I, I, I agree with you, but when you're playing on the margins, right? So we have ostensibly a four-seat majority. Alabama's redistricting is potentially going to wipe away a bunch of that. There's some other redistrictings that could do that. You've got four seats, at least in New York, that if we, if those members get portrayed as focusing too much on impeachment and they lose, right? So I get your point. If we had a 30-seat majority and in Clinton's, when Clinton was impeached, we had a bigger majority and we knew we were going to lose some folks. We don't have, and this gets back to my political point, we don't have any margin of error anymore. One or two seats is the House and you screw this up and suddenly it's, you know, all of the progressive policies that Biden's wanted come, come barreling through. Yeah, it's a really good point. And Tim, I'm going to let you go in a second. But then I guess my question, and I know I'm not the one so who's supposed to be no. asking the questions, but I'm curious, is Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, he's kind of, in my eyes, he's in a no-win situation because uh, he's being uh, pressured to do this. He probably is thinking about all the things Sean's thinking about. He's been in this for a long time. He's looking at the polls. He knows how this could backfire. But like, what's his other option? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, this is, again, I'll go back to the media. The media want to suggest all the time that McCarthy is perpetually in peril of being removed as speaker by the ultra-conservatives, yeah. by the far-right wackos. That's the narrative they love. And so whether it's the government shutdown or it's the impeachment, they are always going to try to suggest that somehow the far-right is going to throw out McCarthy and then the far-right's going to make sure the Republicans lose their majority. These are all their... They're wishful thinking moments. Uh, so uh, I just think I'm always just focused on, uh, yes, can we get this, this narrative underlined and reinforced, which I guess isn't as, as uh, legislative. Um, but, you know, there's such a dramatic difference here between the, how we went through two years of this dramatic live coverage of everything this completely one-sided January 6th committee was doing. James Comer and these other uh, House chairmen are plugging away on these hearings, and they're nowhere on cable news. And, you know, they, they, they don't carry the same impact because the media refused to let it have any impact. So we always have to expect to some extent that somehow those stories and those facts are going to break through despite the media Democrat complex. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth, delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually. You're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe, download now the truth. You know, I never want to tell you guys what to do at the Media Research Center, but I had an idea. I was watching Kamala Harris um, this past weekend on, on Face the Nation, and I've seen this on show after show. 
the liberal host will always inject something, right, without evidence. And I, and, or, or, you know, to, to make it clear, like, we'll answer the question for you. Sit back. And I feel like the American people are, are told by the media writ large, like, and, and this is true in the case of abortion. I watched Kamala Harris deal with this this weekend when we talk about uh, the Dems' extreme position, um, is that the media loves to inject themselves to make sure that they defend the Democratic's position. And you're right, Tim, over and over again, they say, without evidence. I mean, Grace, there, there is evidence. I mean, I, I think that's the question that I want to ask. Though. The thing that's interesting is impeachment's always been used generally. I mean, except for Trump. Trump. Trump's second impeachment changed the Rubicon, right? They were impeaching a guy who was no longer in office. And the whole point of impeachment is to remove someone from office. Republicans protested and said, this is ridiculous. But prior to that, with Clinton, even the threat of it to Nixon was based on actions that they had taken in office. Everything that they're going after on Joe Biden is something that occurred when he was vice president or prior, right? And so the question I have is this. The Democrats changed the Rubicon when it came to how they went after Trump. And like I said, it was going after him for... Uh, what happened, what, you know, other people's actions, number one, number two, when he was out of office. And they're dealing with the consequences of this because this is the point. But are Republicans now further changing it by saying, we're going to go after you for actions that didn't occur while you were president of the United States, but occurred from you before that? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's an interesting point. And that is, yeah, it's, it's, it's not stuff he did as president, and but a lot of it's what he did as vice president. You can't impeach him from the vice presidency at this. But point. that's the point, right, Grace? But, but I think some of the things, if, if what they're alleging proves to be true, I think that it's it's equally as dangerous now if he forged these relationships based off influence peddling with foreign um, leaders and with you know corrupt regimes, and if all of these this tangled web is true, then I think the fact that he's president and he's still interacting with a lot of these right. same leaders is is scary and it still holds true. But but I know what you're saying. But I, I mean, I, and I never I, really... to, to what you're saying, though, I think I can make a case that says, you know, all of these things may have happened in the past, but you denied them as president. You said I was never involved. I didn't do that. As president, you did say this. I mean, Clinton lied under oath. If, if Biden can be seen as, well, you lied to the American people about your business dealings, and to your point, Grace, those the, a lot of those relationships still exist today. So the actions that you're taking with respect to Ukraine or China may be predicated on uh, payments or, or influence peddling that existed, you know, uh, while you're vice president. Yeah. And also, there's always conversations about um, what these high powered officials are doing with their government emails and like how that's being used. And I know that it happens, you know, it, I'm sure there's a statute of limitations, but they do have these conversations years later about you weren't supposed to be sending that from there. He's sending from three different pseudonyms emails where he's CCing his son and his son has them on this laptop that's also full of sexually explicit images and him with a, a pipe and a, a crack pipe in a bathtub. That has to come into play too, because even if it's in the past, it's still jeopardizing American security. If Again, if all of these things are, are true, which I think most of them are. So Tim, yeah, you got, I, go ahead. I was just going to say, the the uh, if you look at the Biden scandal, uh, plate, right? The news media, Robert Hur, 
Most people don't even know who that guy is. He's the special counsel that's supposed to be investigating Biden's, uh, you know, classified documents in his garage that he removed from a skiff. Um, you don't hear about that. They appoint a guy and they promptly disappear. When we are now back in another one of those periods, we did have this brief outbreak of David Weiss saying he was going to uh, indict Hunter Biden soon. Um, but we go for two months without them saying the words David Weiss. I mean, so whatever peril Biden's in from scandals, they try to bury. And this is, look, the media bias game since the 80s when I've been involved, but obviously since Watergate, is the news media use uses scandals to try to destroy the Republicans, either remove them from power or just make them lose elections. That's just the way they are. And then when the Democrats are in power, they do the exact opposite. They scream no evidence and pretend that nothing's going on. So let me ask, Grace, do you want to say something? I just want to say one other thing, and that's when you look at the polls, and there's been a bunch of different ones lately about what people associate Joe Biden with. It is interesting how corruption is way further down on the list right. than the fact that he's old and he's out of it. And I guess, and I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but it just depresses me that it's not enough, like just even even in 2020, that looking at Joe Biden and his capabilities, his cognitive capabilities right now, that that's not enough for people when they go to vote, that we need to. But, and is it, but, see, this, is, but this gets back to like kind of what I was, it's tangential to what I was saying, which is I think his own party, when you look at their preference now, they, they, they all, everybody partisan wise agrees that he's too old, right? They're concerned right. about it. What is it? Two thirds of his own party now wants him. And my point is, when it comes to impeachment, is it's the old axiom that don't get in the way of somebody who's who's digging their own grave. And I feel yeah. like right now, you look at the the poll that came out last week. Everybody's beating Joe Biden. And if we give them a reason to unify around anything but this age and and the incompetence and the policies that aren't working. Then, then that's our fault. We've given them the lifeline that they're desperate to talk about anything because every Democrat right now, the one thing that they do get asked about is Joe Biden's age and his cognitive ability and whether or not he's up to the job. And all of a sudden, we're about to allow them to go, oh, no, let's talk about whether he should be impeached or not, which they can all say, absolutely not. He, There's no evidence. Republicans made this up. And we just literally gave them a new shiny nickel to, to, to point everybody to. Well, the same argument can be made about the, the four indictments of, of Trump. You know, yeah, morning, Joe. This but look at, this is, you just made the case for me, Tim, because every time Trump gets indicted, his poll, his his numbers, poll numbers go up. Go up. And the yeah. point is, when you ask even the, the most ardent Trump people, uh, Trump haters, they'll say, oh, that Manhattan one, that was ridiculously political. The Florida one, you know, blah, blah. My point is people are looking at that and talking about the weaponization of the of the judicial system and, and how Democrats are using it to go after a political opponent. And Trump's getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And we're about to go, hey, let's use that exact same tactic and go after them. Well, I think their th their theory is um, their theory behind all these indictments of Trump is one, just their own base who wants, who's always wanted Trump to be removed. You know, they have so much ardor to get him into jail, whatever it works. Um, uh, but I think that uh, 
yes, it solidified him among Republicans because they have a sympathy ab about this weaponization. But I think it's all they also consider that this is something that's gonna harm Trump with independent voters and suburban voters. That that's their bet. I think the media is betting on okay, this is going to be a great situation for us because the Republicans will vote 80% for Trump and then he loses in the fall. That's our ideal. Grace, don't you think that that's the point, though, is that the, you take exactly what Tim just said, switch the, the, the nameplate and go, this is what the Republicans are thinking about impeachment. I mean, I, I feel like we're about to put the shoe on the other foot and just say exactly what happened to Trump we're about to do to Biden. Well, I think the answer lies with the independents, as it usually does in these situations, and whether or not they're open-minded enough to hear the evidence that the uh, GOP would, would gather about Joe Biden and really give it a look and decide if it's worth, you know, turning on him for, or at least voting for someone else in the next election. And and I don't know, like, I, I it's hard because in my in my mind, I'm so political and most people in my orbit, like the both of you are very political, where it's hard to get in the mind of someone who's really independent and just right. looking at things. Um, and like Tim said, you have to go out of your way to find stories that aren't in the bag for Democrats. So it, I guess it would really depend on how Republicans could present this. And because I know for a fact, well, I shouldn't say for a fact, but I know with Democrats, and you could say the same thing about Republicans, but you could show Joe Biden. I think we had Peter Schweitzer on or how he had him on his show. And Peter Schweitzer said, you could show Joe Biden with a giant check made out from the CCP walking into a bank. And there are Democrats who would say there's no evidence like they would still he say was just there for saying, the toaster. Is, right. There, there's nothing to see here, folks. So we can't worry about those people in the same way that they're not worried about the Trump base, we have to worry about, are we going to present this in a way that the people in the middle could receive it and make a decision based off it? And I don't know. I really don't know. I agree with that. But that's it's a it's a Nick Walinda high wire act. Republicans yeah. don't have a great track record uh, of presenting this well. It's it's it backfires. And and I think that if you're going to go down this road, you better be bulletproof because to t I mean, Tim, this is what the guys at the Media Research Center deal with every day. It's not like ABC News is going to say Republicans this afternoon unleashed a barrage of evidence that clearly points <laughs> to Joe Biden and his nefarious bill of beating, you know, dealings. Despite our previous yeah. reporting, Hunter Biden really did hook up his dad as the big guy. It's just not going to happen. We don't have them on our team. And so when we say Republicans, if they present the evidence, my question is to whom? Because we can do it voter by voter, but it's just, you know, I think you're absolutely right. For a lot of voters, Democratic voters, Grace, they're going to follow the scenario that you just did, which is, I don't really care. Yes, there's him. There's a check. There's four bad guys. But, you know, that could be anybody. Well, I think to some extent, when it comes down to it and we go into a general election, Republicans are going to unite behind whoever the nominee is because they're worried about what the Democrats will do if they have all the levers of power. And the Democrats are going to stick with Biden or whoever because they're afraid of what the Republicans will do. And so in the, in the um, there in the background, the, the issues still matter. You know, under Clinton, I used to get angry because the news media would say it's scandals over substance, I guess, meaning policy. But the reality is, yeah, the news media, a lot of times, they don't want to really cover legislation. They think that 
everybody's eyes glaze over, glaze over legislation. They would rather cover scandals because they're just they're just you know more fun to watch or something. But I think that the uh, they should absolutely try to suggest it's our mission here to get the entire narrative out about the Biden family business. You know, the Washington Post had a guy, David Farenthold, his entire beat was the Trump family business. Right. They, the Washington Post doesn't have anybody. They don't even fact check them. The Biden family business. No. Yeah, let me they ask don't you fact. This. Let me ask you this. Do you think that if you had a crystal ball right now and look forward, does the House impeach Biden? Are they successful? And what are the consequences? Grace, I'll start with you. I, I hate saying this. I don't think it will be successful. I, I, I would hope it would be, but I don't have a lot of faith in that. Um, I, but I, at the same time, I don't know that the consequences will be that dire. Like I said, I think people yeah. who know what Biden's done will stick with it. And I think that people who love Trump will, uh, as far as the election goes. And then one other thing I want to say to answer this question, it's a little off topic, but we're talking about the polls. We're talking about Biden. We're talking about his supporters. And I've been reading a lot of polls about like, oh, Biden's down 19 points in Iowa and Biden's lost a lot of young voters and a lot of women are turning on Biden. And somebody tweeted out, I can't give credit because I don't know who it was, but they tweeted it out. And I thought the way they phrased it was really interesting. They said, don't get too confident in these polls about people turning on Biden because Democrats always come home. Yeah. And I and I really thought to myself that it's scary, but it's true, like more so than Republicans. Republicans don't come home. Republicans might say, I'm sitting this one out. I don't like Trump. I don't like this. I don't like that. But Democrats don't do that. And that's scary. So you're right, Sean. It's it's a high wire act. And Republicans really have to think about these things before they do them, because we're the only ones who have to pay the consequences, unfortunately. Tim, what do you think? Well, it's too early to know exactly what the counts of that's impeachment That's the fun part be. of this, Tim. It's a crystal right. ball. <laughs> right. right. I would suspect <laughs> that I would expect that McCarthy would succeed in getting a some counts of impeachment narrowly voted yes. But we all know that they're not going anywhere in the Senate. Right. So, so it's it to me again. It's more of a uh, an investigative journalism exercise. One of the things that again that really annoys me is all the news media people who say there's no evidence. You want to yell at them and say, "Your job is to right. investigate the evidence." Right. He is the president of the United States, and instead they're like, "No, that's the Republicans' job investigating the president." That's not but, what the news also, media does. It's, it's not just that there's no evidence. He's misled everybody where he said the initial statement was, I know nothing about my son's business dealings. I've never <laughs> been involved. And now they've shifted. I mean, that in itself is a tell. I mean, if you were yeah. a cop investigating a crime and the person said, I mean, I, I watch Law and Order all the time. And they're like, you lied to us. You said you weren't at the scene of the crime, but you were. And they go, OK, well, now that you got me. You know, I was embarrassed because I was having an affair and I didn't want to tell anyone and, or whatever. I mean, Joe Biden said he didn't know anything. And then suddenly it's, well, I wasn't involved in the business. If you're a reporter, you'd say you just changed your story. Yes. The evidence is there is evidence. The laptop. I point this out to people all the time. There hasn't been a single thing on Hunter Biden's laptop, not one that has been disproven. Right. They went from he remember Hunter's initial statement. I don't know. I mean, eh, maybe it is my laptop. Maybe it isn't. And now, now he's like, hey, look at that. There's me and the Coke and the, the hookers. This is like 
he's not one thing and they've been misleading the media. Normally the media would look that as a tell and say, we should investigate here. We should go after that. But they're like, ah, they're part of the team. We can't do that. Yeah. I mean, th that's what's that as you raise that. And then this, I believe was an ABC interview when the Hunter Biden memoir came out and they were like, is the laptop yours? And he's like, eh, no, how, do you, how do you accept that as an answer? This is where you're like, guys, you know, yeah, yes or no. <laughs> it, yeah. Just could you could you push them a little harder? Uh, and that's yes, that's the whole problem. And then you were suggesting like interviews with Kamala Harris. Yeah, they 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 don't push her. And you know that if she actually got a grilling, she'd really start bumbling. We're used to her bumbling to softballs. Imagine somebody really putting her on the case and saying, you know, hey, you know, if Biden gets impeached, it's you. Are you rooting for that? So, so let me. And also, also, can I say one more yeah, thing, Sean? Of course. The thing that drives me crazy about this is, and Tim's right, it's like the the curiosity's not there, the journalistic instincts aren't there. But the thing that drives me crazy is they have it. They still have it. They only bring it out for the most ridiculous situations. And the example I always go to is Ted Cruz. Remember when Ted Cruz went to Cancun? Yeah. And they thought he left his dog unattended. And it was like Woodward. It was, it was <laughs> the president's men. They were knocking on the door. They were interviewing people. They were, they were on the beat well, wait, of Ted Cruz's dog, maybe not having water for two hours. And by the way, the dog was fine. But when it comes to these huge stories where there's enough to go around for everybody, they they have no interest. Well, earlier this week, uh, this and I actually think the guy's a scumbag. Uh, his name's Ben Terrace, the Washington Post. He did a story earlier this week about whether Tim Scott, the senator from South Carolina, really has a girlfriend or not. And, you know, they're they failed to produce the girlfriend. And yet, <laughs> that's the Washington Post that they haven't made the girlfriend available for questioning. But they won't, to Tim's point talk about this this laptop and and any connections and any business dealings, which by the way, the two countries that they show business dealings with the three, I guess, but their two big ones are Ukraine and China. And I'm thinking there, those normally that that's actually real. Whether or not Tim Scott has a girlfriend or not, or whether they broke up or whether they're just seeing each other or he gave her a promise ring or not, has no bearing on anything. And yet, whether or not there's a connection between the president of the United States and his son and some of these business dealings actually kind of does matter. Well, I yeah, you go back to the same newspaper, the Washington Post, the same senator, Tim Scott, where the fact checker, Glenn Kessler, you know, spent months trying to prove that that Tim Scott's grandfather was richer than than Tim Scott implied, that he had right. this yeah. rags to riches story that wasn't really as true as he thought it was. You know, yeah, and these are the same people that they were like, well, you know, Barack Obama uh, kicked off his campaign at a terrorist's house with Bill Ayers, and they're all like, oh, we don't need any of that junk. So, Grace, let me ask you this. I want to keep, I want a couple more thoughts. I asked you guys if, if he's going to be impeached. There's a media narrative, and Tim brought this up, about McCarthy living by the seat of his pants every day, right? And so now it's, if he doesn't impeach, what's McCarthy going to do? Do you think that Kevin McCarthy on December 31st, 2023 is still Speaker of the House? Yes, I do. And, and, and you know what? I don't think he gets enough credit. I'm not like the biggest McCarthy fan ever, but 
we've been talking about the high wire act. He's been walking it yeah. and it's really hard to be in a position of power and to make decisions over a body when you have so many different factions of said group kind of coming at you with different things. And I think for as much as people are critical of him, he's done a pretty good job at maintaining control to a degree and putting on a good face. And I don't know, I, I don't know if it's helpful and I don't want to disparage the Freedom Caucus for what they're trying to do. But I think sometimes there is something to be said about having a unified front and appearing like we're all on the same right. page on certain issues. I'm not saying we have to all fall in line for everything, but every time we disagree to say, I don't want Kevin McCarthy to be speaker anymore. I just don't know if that's an effective way to handle things. I agree. Yeah. Tim, do you, where, where do you come down on that? I think it would be, I think he'll still be there. I think it would be, um, it would not be good for the party, you know, to get him removed. Just again, I would just say, you're going to delight the liberal media when you do that. Because yeah. they love this whole narrative of, you know, McCarthy's enthralled to a pile of crazy ultra conservatives <laughs> who can remove him at any minute. Um, and so you remove him at any minute, whoever the new guy is or new lady is who would take his place. It's just, you know, it's a new target for them to all throw pumpkins at. So, yeah. uh, you know, to me, yes, you you, you want to, I think a united front does sound like the right way to govern. Well, also, I, I to Grace's point, I actually think that when you look at how he's governed um, and, and the agenda that he's put forward, he has been conservative. He's gotten the best deals. This is always about how do you get the best deal that you can and how do you move us more conservative, stop the Biden agenda. And I, I think, you know, he is, he's kept his word. Uh, that he delivered when he was seeking the speakership. Let me kind of keep going down my little fun game here. Do you think there was a lot of discussion last Sunday on the Sunday shows, including by Chuck Todd, and I'm going to miss him tremendously, um, in case you can't tell how sarcastic that is, um, about whether Joe Biden would be on the ballot, whether he would be the Democratic nominee. And the feeling isn't so much that he... Um, you know, maybe doesn't run, but that he can't run. So again, Grace, I'll start with you. Do you think that in 2023 or 2024 would be the, the likely year that Joe Biden is the nominee of the Democratic Party? No, I, I don't. And there's a few reasons why, but I'll start by saying, I think when the media decides they don't want him anymore, we'll know. I mean, you both follow the media every day there's not a lot of subtlety to it anymore. They're working as an arm of the Democrat party. When they get the talking points that we're done with Joe Biden, we can't really push him over the finish line anymore. We're going to feel it. It's going to be very obvious. And I kind of just think that, you know, what was, I thought was actually really telling and disgusting at the same time was the fact that he wasn't in New York city on September 11th. I, and that he was in Alaska and he spoke, but he talked about how he had been in New York City on September 12th. And right. It really just was. And there's been so many things he's done that are so that are not presidential. But it's kind of like in my mind, at least. And I don't know if, if Sean, you thought this, too, as someone who's been working in a White House before. It was like throwing in the towel, like they're not even pretending anymore. And then their reasoning for him not being there was, well, People didn't go back to Hawaii 22 years after Pearl Harbor. I mean, I'm just sitting there going, this isn't a White House that thinks it's going to it's going to last. This is a White House that's kind of giving but, up. But, but let, me ask you, I, I, let me turn that to you, Tim, because I this is like your wheelhouse. 
I, I think what Grace said, so let's just be straight. He wasn't, for, for the first time, a U.S. president wasn't at one of the three sites, right? And then their excuse was, was Pearl Harbor. But furthermore, and Grace brought this up, they lied about him being on, in, at Ground Zero on September 12th. And, and, they, and they handed out evidence of him being there like on September, I don't know, 23rd or something, 24th, which directly contradicts what he said. They didn't say, oh, he misspoke. They literally just sort of tried to pivot. And I think this is interesting that, that Grace's take on this because I wonder if it's, did you throw in the towel and just say, we don't care anymore? Or are you just so used to the media taking whatever you say? And this is where I kind of come down on it. Like, I think that this White House goes, it doesn't matter. We can literally say, you know, this weekend, uh, the president will be on the moon visiting with Martians. And we assume that the, the press corps just be like, oh, that's awesome. Tell them, are you bringing a gift? They are so bought <laughs> into whatever this White House says that they don't question him. They don't stand up to him. They don't hold him accountable to him. Tim, to your point, the Washington Post doesn't fact check him. They don't have him going after his, I mean, like they, the press corps, I think is the, what is thrown in the towel. Oh, well, that's for sure. But, you know, the, the interesting way that this was mediated uh, on, on Monday night was that uh, the NBC News in particular, that's the one that I had on. And it was like conservative outlets think this is controversial that he went to Alaska. And then, of course, they show you this very positive sounding 12 second clip of Biden. We'll never forget. And that's just the way everything gets done. So yes, there's no September 12th in their clip. There's no him making jokes about how I would have liked to have this guy in my high school football team. You know, like that's appropriate for September 11th. You know, the, these are the or, sorts of things that- Or by that, the way, how his national security spokesman put out a statement praising Saudi Arabia on September 11th. There were 15 hijackers that came in and I'm like, are you, where's the outrage? Where I would, I can't, and, and I know, Grace, you said the word whataboutism, that's the left excuse for not doing their job on the media. But I was thinking to myself, if I had said that, can you imagine? And this isn't just some random assistant press secretary. This is the national security spokesman that is putting out a statement about Saudi Arabia, a, a, a country that the president of the United States said, when I'm president, I will treat them like the pariah that they are and you're praising them on 9-11? Yeah, not only that, but remember, the $6 billion to Iran on 9-11? I mean, yeah, how do those things not dominate the news? Now, the 9-11 story, like on NBC, it's like in minute 12 of the newscast, you know, behind the weather and the, uh, the embarrassingly escaped uh, convict in Pennsylvania. You know, it, Biden as a subject, is often 10 minutes into the newscast. They don't lead with anything that he's done. So it, it is, um, they're always going to clean up after him. You know, it's amazing that 73% of Americans told CNN he's too old because those clips when he dotters and he says stupid things or he goes to Vietnam and says, I'm going to go to bed now, <laughs> they just, they're not shown. You, right. you don't see those on ABC or CNN or NBC. They're they're just scrubbed out, but people see them anyway. You know, social media has a way of getting those clips out to people. Yeah, Grace, Tim brought up age. I don't think this is ever going to happen for a million legislative reasons. But would you personally, regardless of the inability, I think, legislatively to make it happen, 
Would you support an age limit for people serving in federal office? No, no, because I just, I go back to, I wish we could decide these things with our ballots. I wish people would just look at what we have and use their own two eyes and make a decision as adults that this isn't what we want for our country. And it's, it's like putting another rule in place or another law. It just, it, there's personal responsibility. Like we are electing these people. And I understand that once they get to a certain age, they have a certain war chest, they have certain name recognition. It's really hard to get them out of there. But at a certain point, it's up to us. Like, what are we doing? You have Nancy Pelosi who's running. And I know you're talking more about Joe Biden, but she's running again. She's, she's 83 years old. Like how we live in an insane society where we can't look at this and figure it out for ourselves. We need handholding when it comes to these people who are being wheeled around at 90 years old. I mean, it's depressing that, that people just can't figure it out. Yeah. Tim, would you support it? It's look, I, I, I don't necessarily support a law because obviously you can tell the difference between everybody sees Trump at 77 and says, okay, he's still Trump, but he's way more vigorous than Biden. Right. Uh, despite them being in fairly, you know, fairly close in age. So yes, I think in general, as a voter, uh, you know, we all saw Strom Thurmond. It was like, when are these people going to stop voting for Strom Thurmond? And what you, you know, he was like a hundred and in the Senate. And he had a guy at each elbow as he was, you know, skipping along like Mr. Tudball on the Carol Burnett show. But it's that you'd wish that this is where the smoke filled room would get in. Right. Where the, you know, behind the scenes, somebody would say he's got to go. He's too old. But I, I, whether it's Feinstein, whether it's uh, Mitch McConnell, Mitch McConnell's more likely to be removed than Kevin McCarthy at this point. I think that to Gracie's point, like, I, I think it's not just an age thing. There are people like you point out that Trump, who's older, that I don't see any issues with with him. But I also look at someone like John Fetterman and I go, I don't he's not even he's not that old, but he's not. I don't think he's capable of doing the job. I think I, I'm with Grace on this. At some point, this is the responsibility of the voter to say that person is not capable of fulfilling the job. And we we these laws when people go, oh, we need an age limit. It's like, no, you need to stop voting for people who aren't capable, (laughs) like grow up, take some personal responsibility as a voter and stop trying to tell the, make the government. I always find conservatives that want age limits. I said, I'm like, this is the most unconservative thing. You're basically saying, I want the government to tell people when they shouldn't be in office, because I don't care whether you're 30 or 80, if you're not capable of doing the job, why are you being voted for? Um, I've, 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 we've gone way over. I appreciate you guys being here. I love this conversation. And, um, Thanks for joining me today. You bet. You bet. All right. Well, here we are on Friday Eve. And uh, as you head into the weekend, everyone's going to be talking about impeachment. Hopefully that conversation gave you a bit of a heads up as you go into these big discussions that everyone's going to be having about whether it's a good idea or a bad idea. I know people want it. The question is, is the right thing to do? Hopefully you enjoyed that. Tomorrow, we're going to sit down with Tim Ballard. He's the CEO of Operation Underground Railroad, which fights to end human trafficking. He was the inspiration for the Sound of Freedom movie that was unbelievably successful. So I'm looking forward to that discussion. Thanks for joining us today. Look forward to seeing you right back here tomorrow on The Sean Spicer Show.